Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is co-host Ward Carroll. Chris Cervello is working the board and doing old man radio just like 2021. So it is 2022, and we were coming off of a very nice taste in our mouth from the Army-Navy game. We broke that down for you. It ended an incredibly good fall season, which we'll wrap up in the out today. But first things first, Ward... Walk us through the excitement of, uh, you know, of your holiday season. And I'm going to hear from Chris here in a second, but yours is more important in that yours involved dogs and snow. Chris has just involved dogs and beaches. Uh, so as you were climbing out of Snowmageddon 2022 ward, walk us through what your, uh, what your off season was like. So the highlight above everything else was my oldest informed us that we're going to be grandparents. So this will be our first grandchild. Oh, congratulations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, his uh, fiance, soon to be wife, is due in July. Um, so that was pretty amazing news. He, they did a kind of a side door rollout. They gave us one of these digital frames that, you, you know, you can upload photos and it's like, you know, Harry Potter that you have a moving photo on the wall. Um, and he goes, and you're going to be needing this because we're going to be sending you a lot of photos. And we're like, oh, why? And then he pointed to Jana and said, she's pregnant. And, you know, it's hard to even process it because we didn't think we had a path to this. Only an you aviator know? refers to the arrival of his first grandchild as a side door rollout. But I yeah. mean, that, that all of that aside, congratulations. That's yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, that was that was far and away the, the biggest news of the season. We'll get into what Wags and uh, Chris's offseason uh, um, events were, but yeah, you know, let's quickly wrap. Yeah, you know, since we talked to you on December thirteenth, there were only four things. There were two men's basketball games and two women's basketball games. Uh, the men coming off of a ten day layoff um, lost to Towson at home. 69 to 52 in a game that a lot of people uh, commenting online, you know, and I was talking to Matt Munley about this right after this game, like just a bad time. You know, you're, you're coming off of finals. You haven't played in 10 days. And Towson is not like a Quinnipiac or, you know, a, a low level, you know, payment game. Uh, Towson's a tough opponent and they came in here and beat us by 17 they did rebound with the all-important beginning of the uh, Patriot League slate up in Worcester, which Pete Medhurst reminded me of W-O-R-Stir. Um, but uh, yeah, like a good win on the road, 70-56 to 56 in a game that looked like it could be much more than a 14-point uh, difference. The, the team just looks really good, and we'll break them down in a little bit more detail with WAGs. Uh, the women are struggling. Um, they started off their uh, Patriot League slate at home against Holy Cross right before the new year, 
and lost by 10 and then went up to BU in front of Ashley Pelzik and a sparse crowd up in Boston and got stomped 82 to 58. Jen Coleman continues doing what she does, double-double machines all over the place. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle for the women's team, and we'll have Tim Taylor on here in the new year to talk about that. Um, so before we get into uh, our interview with Chuck Gladchuk, who is our feature interview today to help us wrap up what the fall season was and what the spring season uh, portends. Uh, Chris, what was your off season like and how has your handicap come down? I presume several strokes. Um, actually, the other way. Uh, I, I'm one of those the golfers. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, the the more I golf, the, the higher the handicap comes. Um, so, but yeah, lots of golf, lots of... Uh, Lots of fun with the family, excited to be back. I, I had an opportunity to kind of dig into our numbers from the fall season and uh, our our listeners continue to grow. Uh, we had a very big uh, Army week, which is exciting. And so I want to thank uh, the listeners and the supporters of the podcast uh, for, for that. Um, really excited to have worked with Wags and, and Keenan and Eric uh, on the Believe podcast and excited to kind of be even more joined between that podcast and Sing Second uh, next year. So, um, you know, stay tuned for that. So I, I'm just excited to, to hear from Chet. Um, I will say that I, I texted Scott Strassmeyer over the break when news broke that um, Texas A&M was pulling out of the Gator Bowl. Uh, and it was floated, at least here in the Jacksonville area, that Navy would be an ideal opponent. Um, and so I was sort of hopeful that maybe Santa would bring me a, uh, a local bowl game. Uh, but Scott quickly dashed my uh, my holiday uh, dreams, uh, telling me that you know the team was gone to all 50 states and that there was no way Navy was going to play. And so, alas, it was Wake Forest and Rutgers. But but for a brief second in the Cervello household, the idea of Wake Forest Navy in Jacksonville was almost too good to be true. Oh, the battle of the Cervellos. Well, I, I, there you're not alone there. When <laughs> Rutgers got that non-bull eligible call to play in the post season I'm like come on like guys the guys from Piscataway got that call and you don't ask the guys who are going to be deployed halfway around the planet this time next year they don't get the call that's crap so wags before I send it over to you for how much winter surfing you did and I hope you were in the water here in the last two days as we were getting stomped with 10 inches of snow uh the results from the men's and women's teams weren't the only news um, as we entered the new year, again, you talk about coaching trees. I'm not saying that the Navy coaching tree is like Bill Walsh or Mike Holmgren, um, you know, or the Bill Belichick coaching tree, but you keep having assistants get calls from major programs to go out and show their stuff. And just here in the last couple of days, uh, Navy defensive line coach Kevin Downing got that call from the uh, from the Wahoos uh, down in Charlottesville, Virginia expected to uh, to take him onto the staff there. Um, so catch us up. What other news like that has been breaking over the last two weeks? And what, what did you do to, uh, to enjoy the off season? Well, John, there's really no off season in my business. Um, I went directly from covering army Navy football and obviously there was follow-up to that. So there's, you know, almost a week worth of uh, follow-up to army Navy football and wrapping up the season. And then, uh, I had to help out with all county high school athletics. We we pick all county teams for all the sports for the fall, and that's a lot. There's seven sports. There's 
girls soccer, boys soccer, field hockey, volleyball, football, cross country. So we only have one high school reporter and that person was overwhelmed. So I jumped in and helped out with all county. So I've, a lot of my time since the Navy football season ended has been devoted to assisting with this all county process so we can get these out. Um, obviously, I wrote, I've, I've covered some Navy basketball. Uh, I was uh, at the Towson game that you mentioned. That was a little bit disappointing. Uh, just Navy, the reason that wasn't a good game for Navy is they were coming off exams. Navy never plays well after having a week and a half, two weeks off for exams. They barely practiced that entire time. In fact, Ed DiCello said Navy got less than three hours practice over the previous four days leading up to the Towson game. So, but, you know, obviously Navy showed up against Holy Cross, as you mentioned, great Patriot League opener. Um, and another interesting story I wrote, John, was about Jake Springer, who was a Navy football player who played for Mi Ole Miss, Mississippi, in the Sugar Bowl, and he starts for Mississippi. So uh, I think it speaks volumes that a lot of guys that are transferring for Navy, it used to be you transferred from Navy and you went to oblivion. You transferred down to football championship subdivision or even Division Two. Navy's got guys transferring from Navy directly to Power Five conference schools. Another safety who left around the same time as Jake Springer, Chellen Garns, he's at Wake Forest, which was in a major bowl. So I wrote about Jake Springer, and it was an interesting inter interview. And, you know, I my one of my first questions of Jake Springer is, what's how's life different playing for Mississippi than it is for Navy? And he basically said it. It is true as true. It, this is like pro football. We spend almost the entire day at the football facility. And there's a letter to the editor in today's newspaper from a Navy fan who's critical and saying this is outrageous. And why doesn't Mississippi care about its football players going to class? They're not all going to make the pros. Well, if there's anybody out there who doesn't think that this is what big-time college football, especially in the SEC, has been about for 20 years, then you're a fool. So anyway, Jake Springer has had a great season for Mississippi, um, and he's on the NFL radar. He's hoping to get another year of eligibility due to COVID because he feels certain if he has one more year starting for Ole Miss, he's probably going to be a, a surefire NFL prospect. But that was Another interesting story that drew a lot of, you know, people are angry, but it's just, it is what it is. Uh, Navy plays in a whole nother sphere of college football than the majority of the other power five programs as far as how they operate. Navy players go to class. They are actual real students. They have other responsibilities. And at a place like Mississippi in the SEC, it is football 24-7. That is your job. Yeah, like go watch the movie The Program or any other documented um, either uh, uh, you know, fiction or nonfiction about a football program. And yeah, they're, they're sitting in the team house. You think the University of Maryland guys are going to like no. mechanical engineering? No, they're not. Um, so it, it's it's just it's a difference between between an elite program with a physical mission like 
Navy and other programs. And that's fine for some guys. That's the, that's the pursuit that they want and they're going to play on Sundays and that's what they're going to do. The mission of the Naval Academy, as we well know, is much different. So great discussion. Uh, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to have Chuck Gladchuck for our exclusive kickoff interview of the 2022 variant of season two of Sing Second Sports. We'll be right back. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a game? Is it your class reunion or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to be joined by the athletic director of the U.S. Naval Academy, Chuck Gladchuck, uh, coming off of a really successful fall season. One could say that. Um, but Chet, number one, I'm going to ask you the first question before I let Wags and Ward, um, hit you up with some, with some of their own questions. When the season started, it, it certainly looked like, you know, pink sky warning or, you know, pink sky morning sailors warning. Um, yeah, the, the, you have the incident at the end of the air force game, we're going 0-2, Ivan is let go and then brought back. You start off the star season with volleyball losing. Um, and then after that, you kind of go nine and one, dominate Army in the star series. Even in the one sport where we lost the star, volleyball came back and beat Army later in the season, uh, exacting a little bit of revenge there. So I know that a lot of your metrics for success are star matches. How would you evaluate how successful the fall season was, not just beating Army? here a couple of weeks ago, but all of the sports performing the way they did. John, I think we need a little bit of momentum uh, early. I'm not sure that we were, you know, as focused as we needed to be. And um, that, that got recalibrated a bit and we got on the beam. And you know, I think you're losing one game to Army in volleyball is is not a big deal. I mean, it happens that we, you know, of course, want to win them all. But I mean, uh, you know, Paco came back and, and beat him twice after that. So, I mean, he refocused and then kind of um, zeroed in on, uh, on his preparation. You know, you're exactly right. You know, our, um, our fall against Army was extraordinary, probably one of the best that we've had in a long time. Uh, it just didn't uh, revolve around Army. I think all of our teams had a great fall. Uh, we lead the Patriot League and championships again. Uh, at this point, uh, what I'm most proud of is the way that we bounced back from this pandemic. Um, I think I mentioned this the last time we were on. Uh, we, we kept it glued together. You know, we just kind of um, stayed focused. We didn't dismiss people. We kept the organization intact. Uh, we found a way to manage our way through the uh, the crisis. Uh, and and the, the vision there was always that we would be better prepared when the season again got back to some semblance of normality, which in the larger picture we were. Uh, while everyone else was trying to put their pieces together, and we were pretty much uh, you know, ready to roll and uh, our pieces were in fact together. So 
I'm proud of the coaches. I'm proud of the athletes. I'm proud of the way that they um, they responded. Uh, they've been hungry. Uh, they've been anxious. Uh, they've been driven to win. Uh, they've been uh, very successful, as it's illustrated by the the record across the board to date. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm proud of all of them and the way that um, you know where we sit today and going into the spring. Ward. Uh, hey, Chet. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Thanks, um, Ward. So how are you feeling, just to focus on football for a second, about anything going into next season? Are there any changes that need to be made? Are we, are we good? I'm being kind of cryptic here, but how do we not go for an X again next season? Good question. Ask the coach. You know, why don't you save that question for Coach Nehemiah? You know, what I would say to you is that uh, four and eight's not, there's no solace in four and eight. Uh, you know, Kenny knows that. He understands it. He's a competitor. We're all competitors. You know, we all want to be um, more successful than we were this year. But again, everything is predicated on just W's and L's. You know, maybe there's a broader context in which we judge and evaluate, you know, how we present ourselves. And um, I think that as the season went along, you know, after early in the season, they recalibrated, they did some adjustments and they made some decisions that were um, to the benefit of the program. And I thought that as the season went along, we got better and better and better and better. Now, you know, it didn't correlate with a, with a record that we're all pleased with. But I think that when you look at the finer details of the efforts that were put in by everyone across the board, um, the staff, you know, rethinking the way they approach the game, uh, the players in terms of their level of intensity and their determination, uh, the support staff and the way that they hung in there. Uh, everyone just was encouraged, I think, as the season went along, that the next game may be the turning point. Uh, and you saw it with, with how competitive we were with a couple of key wins filtered in there, mixed in there. The UCF uh, game was, was, a, was a, certainly a boost of our morale. Uh, you know, even playing, you know, uh, East Carolina, you know, to the wire. Uh, the Cincinnati game was was well played. So I don't think at any point in that season, you know, after the first two games when we kind of recalibrated and got our, our ducks more in line, um, I don't think there was any point in that season where we didn't see progress and didn't see us just getting better as the year went along. Um, if I get into, you know, well, we're young and schedule was tough. And I mean, that's just excuses. Um, it may be reality. You know, certainly you can, you can defend, you know, some of the challenges that we faced, but that's not where I am. You know, I, we, I think that you take a look at the schedule, you take a look at the effort, you take a look at the productivity, you take a look at the expectations uh, the program has been intact for many, many years, decade and change. Um, this isn't a new staff. This isn't a new program. You know, we're not making wholesale changes with transition. The expectation is that we'll be competitive, that we'll meet our goals. And um, I think that we, we took some giant steps towards being a better program. And I expect us to be better next year. So as we go into spring semester, uh, any concerns about the uh, the pandemic 
landscape Omicron. Um, you know, obviously, we don't want to go back to where we were this time last year um, with this piecemeal basketball schedule and so forth and so on. Um, what are you hearing about how the brigade's approaching this and what has your guidance been to the, uh, the relevant coaches in the near term? I think it's, it's, it's very, very different than it was last year, extremely different. Last year, we were dealing with the uncertainties of the virus and no one knew how to figure it out, what to do. Uh, it was basically a day-by-day -day situation. And that's just not the academy because the academy was taking its guidance from Department of Defense, uh, CDC, the NCAA, the Patriot League, and everyone was confused uh, because again, they weren't sure where we were headed, you know, with this this pandemic. You know, now I think we've got a handle on testing. You know, we understand that there are um, asymptomatic conditions, symptomatic conditions. We deal with them differently. CDC has come in with stronger guidelines in terms of how we deal with it. Uh, we're all vaccinated this time around. You know, we're dealing now with boosters to sustain the level of, um, of safety. So uh, there's much more certainty in the way we're, we're, we're uh, approaching, you know, this fall, we approach this fall and we approach this spring. Um, you know, now, for example, you're not gonna shut down an entire team. If someone tests positive, you're gonna just deal with contact tracing and deal with that small group. So we're able to field teams, we're bringing some regularity, some consistency to it. Um, and as a result, I think, you know, it's what we mentioned a moment ago, what John alluded to, we've had some wonderful success to date, you know, with our teams. Doesn't mean that we can't be fast on our feet. And we need to be, but in the meantime, um, that con that consistency that comes with them, um, knowing you're going to put someone on the court, in the pool, on the field, you know, Navy's going to feel some dimension of a of a competitive team. You know, it's brought a, a much greater level of of um, of just um, being more comfortable in the situation, even though, again, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. But in the meantime, we feel pretty good about where we are. Over to Wags. Well, Chad, back to football. Um, obviously, four and eight is not the expectation, and it's now three losing seasons out of four. That's not an aberration. That's a trend. What, what, what are you seeing? I mean, obviously, when Navy had one losing season after having – 10 or 11 straight winning, it was an aberration. And then they had a winning season, another, but now three out of four is a, a downward trend. What, what's your take on that? And how do you get it turned around? Well, you know, again, it's, you know, it's up to the coach. You know, we, we provide the coach with the encouragement. We provide him with the support. You know, there, there's nothing that, um, you know, the administration will not do to support, you know, our football staff and, our football program because we realize how important it is and the success that program is to the bigger picture. Um, and I really believe that next year, you know, we're going to see a, um, a much greater improvement in, in, in our program. Um, as I mentioned, Wags, a minute ago, I, I just think that, you know, with the people we've got coming back and the schedule, blah, 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 was tough this year. I get it. Um, schedule it'll be somewhat similar but maybe not quite as much horsepower um we got a quarterback that's a little bit more seasoned we got some young people coming up that are, are, are 
opponents haven't seen yet. Uh, we're making some staff changes that I feel good about and Kenny feels good about. Um, you know, I mean, the sky is not falling. Uh, it's just a matter of recalibrating a bit, uh, being better prepared this year to come into the season and even more so than last year. And, you know, and of course, you know, with great anticipation that we'll realize greater success. Um, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not here to say that we're going to be, you know, whatever the record's going to be. I, I have no clue. I just know that we've got to continue to get better. Uh, I've got the greatest confidence in Kenny that he'll find a way to turn this around, get us back on track. Um, there are no um, visions of grandeur here that are unrealistic. Now, I think that we all want the exact same thing. That we want to beat Army, beat Air Force, bring that Commander-in-Chief trophy back here, get to a bowl game, win a bowl game. And then, of course, if we can advance in the conference and realize the benefit of conference uh, championship caliber play, that, that to me is, is, is gravy. But in the meantime, the basis of the program is such that um, with some fine-tuning and with some uh, decisions that the coach is making and, and contemplating, I think that we're in a um, pretty good position next year to be very competitive and um, have a program that uh, you know, we feel, feel pretty good about. So a big surprise to me, as the season went along and the depth chart got younger and younger and younger to the point that I have never seen so many sophomores and freshmen playing for Navy football. That's just not the way this program's built. This program is built to rely on upperclassmen, juniors and seniors who have been around and built, you know, learned the culture. And uh, they're just, it's, you cannot play with sophomores and freshmen and expect to win at Navy. And the, what I was told was that the junior class was wiped out that due to COVID, how miserable it was at the Naval Academy. Uh, every player, a large percentage of the players that should have been juniors this year at Navy were gone. And the truth is, if you look at the senior class, they recruited 68 players. By the end, they were down to 35, and only about 17 of them were contributors. So the bottom line is you didn't have any seniors and juniors, not enough, playing for you, and you're relying way too heavily on sophomores and freshmen how do you change that? How do you retain? How do you make sure guys aren't going in the transfer portal? I know we're in another era of college football where it's so easy to go in the transfer portal, and that's another thing I've never seen. So many Navy players entering the transfer portal. It just Because it's so easy now, it didn't used to be so easy to leave the Naval Academy. Now you just put your name in a transfer portal if you're not happy. What, how do you turn that around so that you're not playing with sophomores and freshmen again? It's just recruiting, you know, that's all there is to it. You know, Bill, um, you know, there's no science to it. I mean, you bring in a class and you expect that class to be productive. Uh, you anticipate that those athletes will stay with us. You expect that the environment, which is the program, which is embracing and winning ways and supportive and, um, you know, they're getting a great education. They're aspiring to be leaders in the fleet. You know, it's a package. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a good question. I think that, you know, Kenny could probably better address than, than I in terms of why, you know, we were so lean in that junior class. I know that there were a number of them that, um, that, uh, decided not to come to the academy that were naps. So we took a little bit of a hit in that junior class. That was one issue that was of concern. 
they kind of caught up to us. But you know, everyone has to start somewhere. I think the model that you've expressed is correct. That we have our greatest success when we have leadership with our with our uh, first season, our second class. Uh, we did have a young team this year. But again, the good news is that young team grows up. Um, they're a better, uh, more experienced group next year. Um, you know, and, and there's some very good athletes, you know, in those, uh, in that plea class, in that youngster class this year, that will be juniors next year, and will be sophomores. So again, I, I think there was a scene, Bill, where, um, you know, for whatever the reason, you know, our recruiting fell off just a bit. Um, and it was a combination, again, of some transfers. It was a combination, again, of some people that left for other reasons. And, um, you know, you hate to see it happen, but it did. But now, again, we're, um, you know, we're, we're hopeful that this next group will step up, grow up quickly. Uh, a big part of it is to keep this coaching staff intact, you know, on our defensive side, because that's where there's a lot of youth. And, uh, you know, that great faith, as does Kenny in Newberry, and I think that those players will be the legitimate Division One players in the fall. Um, in terms of the portal, you know, what what can you do? Right? It's it's the changing ways of Division One athletics. Uh, you know, our biggest challenge is, of course, to get to that youngster year, and they got to commit, you know, to serve. And if um, they're playing well, and they're uncomfortable for whatever the reason, and uh, they think that they can move to the portal and find uh, greener grass, uh, then they're going to do it. But I think a lot of it has to do with the, um, um, the environment that our coach creates uh, on the inside, which is extraordinary. Uh, the um, sense of family that he continues to um, nurture. Um, and now with greater leadership with those young people that are growing up, hopefully they can keep it glued together and we won't see the exodus as we did with the two classes you referred to. So last one for me before I turn it over to Chris Cervello, um, you mentioned earlier about staff and retaining staff. We've heard that Kevin Downing, the outstanding defensive uh, line coach, may be going to Virginia. There's a rumor of that. Um, I had heard through Scuttlebout about possibly one other change on the defensive side of the ball. What, what uh, In terms of staff, and obviously a lot of people wonder about Ivan Jasper because of what happened during the season. And Army tried to recruit against Navy for quarterbacks by saying Jasper would be gone. Where where do you stand staff-wise? Have you and Kenny hashed that out yet, or is that an ongoing process? He's working at it now. I mean, I have no idea in terms of, you know, the rumors of, you know, who's leaving. I know that we've got, we have one coach that um, took a look at another position and decided to stay. Very significant um, situation for us, but it worked out. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Coach Nehemiah is, is, uh, got tremendous con connections, uh, nationally. Uh, he knows a lot of people. Uh, if, if we have someone that leads, uh, in the, um, position area, I'm sure he'll find someone to, uh, <clears throat> to, uh, take his place, um, from an administrative point of view. What I do is I just tell him, listen, whatever it takes, whatever you need, you know, I'm going to support you. We're going to provide you with the resources that are necessary to attract the best coaches you can find. So, you know, I don't know there's, there's no 
magic to it. I mean, if someone wants to leave, they need to go. You know, we've seen the turnover uh, happen, you know, on occasion here at Navy. Um, and what we do is we, we re refill with someone that we feel really good about. On the offensive side of the board, Kenny's going to continue to be the offensive leader. Um, I think Ivan does a great job as our quarterback coach. Uh, needless to say, uh, you need to go back uh, no farther than the first two games to determine that what we were doing uh, was not uh, acceptable. Uh, some decisions were made to uh, alter that situation. I think as the season went along, we got better and better. I think by keeping um, Coach Jasper focused on the quarterbacks, uh, I think it's to our advantage. Uh, we're also taking a look at broadening a bit uh, the offensive staff uh, with another dimension of um, perspective coming in and joining that group. Uh, that hasn't been announced yet, but it's something that we've been working on and Coach feels good about, and so do I. So there'll be some announcements made here shortly. Uh, but offense was unacceptable in the first uh, part of the season. Um, in a pattern of, of it being unacceptable in, in similar games. And um, I think that, again, I'm proud of the way the coach reacted. I'm proud of the way he, he rebounded. I'm proud of the way he um, addressed the situation. Uh, I'm proud of Coach Jasper for accepting the fact that he had a role to play that was important, instrumental, uh, and turned out to be very complimentary on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but um, uh, as I mentioned to you a moment ago, W's and L's are um, part of it. But being highly competitive, uh, representing Navy, playing Navy football, being prepared, uh, having a game plan that's effective, having our athletes ready to play, um, it's, it's, a, it's a broad context in which this program is being evaluated, and we all want the exact same thing. But in the final analysis, um, it's what the academy expects. As, as the athletic director, it's what I expect. And it's my job to ensure that um, all those bases are touched, and I'm going to do my job. Chet, this is uh, Chris Cervello. I want to switch gears just a little bit. Um, I, I've mentioned it uh, on the podcast, and I think you and I have talked about it off air. Um, as a graduate from 99, uh, you know, 20 plus years out, as I drive around the yard, um, the Naval Academy looks very different. Um, you, you know, world-class soccer facility, um, you know, new training facilities. The fields look amazing. The stadium looks amazing. Um, you have done quite uh, a job. You and your team have done quite a job in in keeping um, athletics uh, not only um, just competitive among service academies, but competitive among other uh, big name schools. Do you have anything else that um, is on the horizon? Do you have anything else that you want to get done here in the short term? I mean, I understand that 21 and the first part of 22 may be about you, you know sustaining uh, in the wake of COVID, but are there any bigger things that you have that you want to get done and that maybe you want support from, uh, from our listeners and from uh, donors and fans of uh, Navy athletics. You know, Chris, thanks for asking that question. We just came off a incredibly successful capital campaign. Um, the Academy you know, raised over $500 million. <clears throat> the AAA was very much a part of that. Uh, 
is public now. Our number was over $110 million that we raised for uh, the physical mission. We just finished a magnificent new uh, center here, physical mission center. The lead gift was uh, Ron Terwilliger. Um, over $30 million was put into this building. We had locker rooms for football, nutrition areas for football, weight room for football, um, meeting rooms for football, theaters, etc. And it's amazing the <clears throat> commitment that we made uh, to support physical mission and, and football in particular. Uh, we've got a couple of projects that were prepared to launch here during this interim period, which has to do with the um, between campaigns. We're going to take a look at the golf course now and see if there's a way that we can expand the opportunities at the golf course. It's it's not a definitive uh, way ahead, but it's something we're looking at and we're looking at the feasibility of um, just, we just finished renovating the golf course, but we're looking at some some new amenity, amenities out there that are multi-million dollar addition to what we currently have, which we think would be tremendous. And um, so golf is one area that uh, will, will be uh, addressed. Also, we're looking at a multi-million dollar uh, uh, refurbishment addition uh, upgrade of the stadium as well. Now, the football stadium constantly needs to be addressed, and um, we'll be doing that. You know, we've raised uh, quite a few million dollars here recently to address some additional enhancements to the stadium. Uh, but to your to your question specifically, coming off of this campaign, Chris, and we've touched just about everything from water polo to squash to baseball to you know uh, track um swimming i mean you name it we, we just really went at the facilities in a way that uh i feel extremely comfortable with the facilities we have in place here at the academy right now and you know locker rooms have been refurbished um it's, it's an ongoing project chris but <clears throat> i think the two that i mentioned the stadium again and also the um Golf course are two major multi-million dollar opportunities that uh, we'll zero in on here during the central period before we launch you know, the next this campaign, so to speak. Finally, you know, all of the margin of excellence money is why we're where we are. Uh, we're self-sustaining. Um, we get very, very little money from the government. Uh, 33 varsity sports. And we're looking to possibly elevate rugby. Uh, it's 34 and 35 uh, varsity program. Uh, so the genuous, generous giving of our friends and fans and alumni is extraordinarily important in being able to feel these championship programs. And so far, so good with the greatest degree of appreciation for those that continue to believe in us and you know expect just that, beat Army, beat Air Force, and be a champion. Well, I know that Ward likes to hear those conversations about golf, uh, about golf yeah. expansion. So, Ward, I'll give you the final question from your end. Well, so Chris did a nice job of sort of framing your legacy, Chet, um, in in terms of of resources and facilities. Um, it seems like a blink of an eye. The twenty years you've been in place. I remember when Pat introduced us on the tee box of number 13 back when number 13 was a par four bordered by yeah. trees and so forth. Um, and I'm thinking now, uh, you know, 
just touring the Terwilliger Center on our way to the Army-Navy game uh, on the Supes caravan. I'm, I'm sorry we couldn't get a Tomcat instead of that icky Super Hornet over the stairs. But, uh, um, you know, the, this, this legacy is substantial, to put it mildly. When we first talked to you, when the show first came on air, you kind of hinted that you were approaching the end of your tenure. So uh, what are you thinking in terms of how much longer you're going to be in place? Well, you know, I haven't you know, come to any, any firm um, resolution on that. Um, I guess you know, the best way to frame that would be that uh, you know, there are a couple of things, two or three things that, that still loom out here. They're really important, I think, to the academy that I'd like to address. Um, but I'm not a maintenance guy. Let me put it that way. Uh, never have been. And there constantly needs to be a challenge. There needs to be something else that is um, is of, of uh, a priority uh, to the academy that needs to be addressed uh, that motivates me. Uh, I think that you mentioned a moment ago here, the Twilliger Center, the Physical Mission Center, was something that was really a driving force that I felt was really important you know, to the academy and, and finishing that off. Um, you know, we're getting into now you know, re-renovating renovations, you know, and, and that you know, brings to light your question, at what point is does that get a bit um, uh, you know, redundant and maybe it's time for um, a fresh look? But uh, I don't plan to be here forever. I don't plan to, um, to continue to you know, maintain a program here without uh, uh, zeroing in on advancements and opportunities to advance the program. And when that runs dry, you know, that'll be the end of the line for me. And uh, I would like to think that that um, the program will be in very good shape You know, when, again, I decide to move on. Um, and how many more years that is, I'm not sure. But uh, we're getting close. Let me leave it that way. Whether the program is going to be in good shape or not is inarguable. Um, that That's already a done deal. Yeah, I'll jump in real quick, Jed. You and I have been together this whole time. About when I started as the full-time Navy beat writer was when you came aboard. We kind of been locked arm-in-arm, step-in-step. You've done a hell of a job. You have as good a job as I've ever seen an athletic director do at any institution. You've been fabulous for Naval Academy. Well, thanks, thanks, Bill. You know, the place motivates me every day, and yeah, that's part of it as well. And I think you have to know when it's time to be piped ashore, and I understand that. Um, and I think we all plan for that. Um, but I just, I've loved this school. The reason why Kathy and I have stayed here for 20 years is because there's always been some way to improve the situation and some way to advance it. And, um, you know, provide our coaches with resources and support, encouragement. Um, and, you know, we're getting close, I think, to a, to a pretty, pretty solid environment, a good environment that is, uh, you know, business-wise, self-sustaining, facility-wise, in pretty good shape. Um, you know, great coaches and every, on every front. Uh, all the support staff is pretty much in place. The facilities are, uh, as I've mentioned, are, um, first class across the board. So um, thanks, Bill, for, for your support and you know, John and the team and Chris and everyone, Wade. But the, um, it's, um, you know, like I said, at some point you pipe the shore and you move on. And one thing I will not do is, is outstay my, uh, 
you know, my, my tenure in a way that uh, uh, would be detrimental to this program. And um, as long as I can continue to bring some value, uh, I'll do that and uh, just keep winning. <clears throat> well, sir, to say that value has been delivered is a vast understatement. And if anyone looks at the longest tenured athletic directors out there, there, there are not many names, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, power fives, you know, Oklahoma, UCLA, uh, Kentucky, you know, Chuck Ladchuk is one of the high, longest tenured athletic directors uh, out there, and that's power five and others. Um, and that continuity has meant so much. And you hear about, you know, the renovations to McDonough, the proposed beer garden behind the 53 pavilion, you know, just the success of going nine and one in the fall season. As I let you go, while I thank you, you know, you, you were hired, right? Was I, right when I was there as a lieutenant. And, Thanks, and I feel like I've come along on this journey with you. And I, and I believe that you are on the Mount Rushmore of Naval Academy Athletics, a compliment that I know you don't want to get. But, you know, go back down to the tactical level and let our listeners know what are your expectations for the spring uh, do you anticipate, uh, you know, success in the star matches uh, in the spring sports? And, and what other things should fans be looking for in the spring? John, we're, we're loaded, I think, uh, on, on many fronts. Um, you know, you take a look at the basketball. Men's basketball is doing a great job. Uh, Tim Taylor's struggling a bit right now with the women's program, but that's in transition. Uh, he's got an incredible recruiting class coming in next year some athletes like we've not seen in women's basketball. Um, really excited about that women's program into the future. The track team is strong. Swimming is strong. Wrestling is incredibly strong. Uh, the tennis teams are loaded. Uh, the baseball team brings about everybody back. You know, men's lacrosse with Joe, um, Amplo. Uh, Sydney timshaw has got a machine coming back. I mean, I really feel good about where we are going in the spring, John. And you know, usually our greatest strength is into the spring, the spring sports. Uh, if you take a look at our track record in the past, you know, we've struggled sometimes and we've had a little bit of difficulty in the fall. You know, to have this as a basis going into this spring, the success we've had today with Patriot League championships and N-Star victories, I just think this is going to be a banner year. You know, we were kidding the other day because – Coming in uh, gate one, there's a yard arm. And that yard arm is reflective of the victories over Army. And we put banners on that yard arm if, you know, when we beat Army in any N-star match. You know, the blue are the men, the yellow are the, are the gold are the women. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I'm laughing. Usually you'd expect that football to be up there flapping in the breeze, but um, – there are so many banners on that yard arm right now. We haven't got room for football, you know, the football victory. You know, we're working on reconfiguring it in a way that we can get you know, that, that end star for football up on the yard arm. So, so far, so good. You know, we got to keep it that way, keep that yard arm filled. But I tell you, I couldn't be more pleased with um, where we're positioned going into the spring. You know, famous last words and, you know, yeah, that thing goes. But in the meantime, there's a greatest sense of confidence right now that our fans are going to enjoy a, um, a very, very eventful and very successful uh, late winter and spring season. I agree, sir. And I think you just gave uh, Chris Cervello, our uh, 
our resident creative expert, you know, an idea for our spring theme t-shirts, you know, the N-Star yard arm out there. We'll get uh, oh. hot on the design of that thing. So, you know, uh, as we talk to you here on Tuesday morning, hope to see you out there at uh, Alumni Hall tonight. I know I'll be there. Yeah. I hope to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And, and Chet, number one, thank you for making time and in a very busy day. And thank you, number two, for what you do for the Naval Academy and the Physical Mission. You guys are really important to us, and thanks for um, carrying the banner as you do. It's uh, nothing but but wonderful accolades and support for uh, your efforts, John, and your team. So uh, that goes both ways, and keep up the great job. Thank you. See you tonight. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that was Chuck Gladshuck, the Athletic Director of the U.S. Naval Academy. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Ward Wags, Chris, and I – We'll take you out with a little bit of a summary of what happened in the fall and what we're looking forward to in the spring. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Navy fans, Christmas is behind us. It's 2022, and we are in the thick of Navy men's and women's basketball. Tickets are on sale now. Single game tickets start at just five bucks. Visit NavySports.com backslash tickets to purchase your Navy basketball tickets today. And don't forget your swag before you head out to Alumni Hall. All the latest Navy Under Armour sideline gear is available by clicking on the shop tab at NavySports.com. You can get your favorite jerseys, polos, t-shirts. They're all just one click away. That's NavySports.com and click on the shop tab. And finally, don't miss out on all the latest information on all varsity sports and midshipman student-athletes. Make sure to log on to NavySports.com and follow NAAA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to participate in contests and games, as well as to be kept in the know on all things Navy athletics. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I cannot say enough about Chet's candor and, frankly, his all-business approach uh, to the success of the last six months, uh, nine and one in star matches, beat Army in football, open the Terwilliger Center. Yeah, neat. We are four and eight in football and we're going to fix it. That's basically what I gleaned from that. And, and I did the research, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think Joe Castiglione is the only power five school AD who has been in that job longer than, than Chet Gladchuk. Uh, right behind Chet was Dan Guerrero at UCLA. Uh, he was hired in 2002. He retired. Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin retired. Uh, after Chet, there's Mitch Barnhart in Kentucky, who was also hired in 2002, and Gene Smith at Ohio State, who was hired in 2005. So uh, I'm telling you, continuity in that position, um, you know, is is important. And I think that we're seeing, yeah, the payoff of of what that continuity has delivered. Uh, but I was also struck that he's looking to the future. We have 33 Division I sports. Let's get to 35. You know, the ruggers out there like Hogman and Chris Cleary and Murph McCarthy should have loved to hear uh, that Chet wants to bring on the two rugbies and get us to 35 sports, which would solidify us in the top three of all D1 sports in terms of how many varsity athletes or varsity sports we have. Uh, and yeah, let's make the women's rugby team D1 too. They just won a national title with a Rhodes Scholar, by the way, and Sarah Skinner leading the team. I'd say that's a good example of the mental and physical excellence of the Naval Academy. So before we break down the basketball game from last night, I I'd like to get your guys' impressions of, of how that Chet interview went. Wags, I'll start with you. 
Polchetta is always the best. He pulled just no punches. Um, he tells it like it is, which is rare in this business. Most athletic directors and Division One coaches are a bunch of double speak and don't give you straight answers. They're always afraid to have to answer to whatever they have said. And but Chet's not worried about that. And I think, as you mentioned, the tenure is part of it. You know, I, he, he's not. Who's he worried about? It. He's he's been around forever. And I mean. You mentioned his tenure at Navy. We should figure out what it, what is his total tenure as an athletic director, considering I think his first athletic director job was at Tulane. Then he went to Boston College, which is his alma mater. And then he was at Houston. He had a good run. And now Navy. So Chet's probably been an AD now for close to 40-some years. Yeah, a lot so of years. He's outlived a lot of people in his uh, business. I know he's highly respected within his uh, by his peers and within his realm of being an athletic director but no always good to hear chetty tells it like it is you ask a question he gives you an answer um and it, it is what it is you may like it you may not but he's going to tell you how he feels yeah unapologetic that's what i glean from it and, and i love it chris or ward what were your impressions yeah. You know, John, for me, I mean, I've known three college athletic directors in my life. I mean, I uh, knew Bo Coppage uh, when he was sort of the emeritus at uh, NAAA, um, Jack Langle, um, and, and now um, Chet. Um, I have great respect for all three because they were all three very different and they, they handled that job uh, very differently um, you know, in their own rights. Um, I, I just, I, I can't say enough. And, you know, we, we, it's funny cause we caught a little bit of shit, uh, at the beginning of the season when we talked to Chet post Ivan, uh, firing, then rehiring. And, you know, there were folks that thought maybe we were a little too lenient or a little too kind. Um, I, I guess I, I'll, I'll take that fee, you know, I take that feedback I, and there may be people that thought maybe we, we asked, maybe two easy questions. And I say, we, you and me, right. I mean, WAGS is sort of always hard hitting and I, I think Ward is as well, but I, I don't think you and I try to hire, or I don't think you and I try to hide our admiration for him and the job that he's done. I mean, you worked very closely with him as the, uh, as the PAO. And for me as a graduate, as I said, I mean, the proof's in the pudding for me, not just on the, on the wins and losses, but just driving around the Academy and seeing the changes over the last two decades, since I left uh, USNA, um, it's, it's, hard not to be impressed and then the access that he gives us um yeah I, I'm, I'm a bit of a fanboy yeah he's part of the landscape now right and before i let word chime in and, and take us out on this i i there was something just kind of uh it was nice to get in there in the morning and there's check ladchuk and dean lot of the director of admissions walking around the yard um you know he, he's he's an ever-present uh, you know, source of positivity and leadership. You know, soups have come and gone. Chuck Gladchuk has been there. Commandants have come and gone. Uh, brigades have turned over. Uh, and Chuck Gladchuk, with all of that turnover in a very unique scenario at a service academy where there are a series of, of challenges anyway, in and amongst what's going on in current events when you're asking these young men and women to go out and serve their nation and, and eschew the opportunity to go you know, to, to pro athletics, like a lot of people who go to Florida State or Maryland would want to do, to maintain that over 20 plus years is just impressive to me. And yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan and, and, and I'm unapologetic about it. Ward? 
Well, I agree with everything that's been said. And as we mentioned on the show, um, you know, like you, John, we've been around for his entire tenure in various configurations. You and I were on active duty when he first got here. Um, I was at the very end of my time and you were about to transition to PAO and go on to great things. But he's always been no nonsense. He, as Wag said, he doesn't pull any punches. Um, what you see is what you get. That's the refreshing part of him. He's delivered as we were gushing towards the end of the interview about his legacy. You know, it just sort of stands alone. You just, as we were, rattle off the facilities, rattle off the accomplishments and the trophies in the Terwilliger Center and elsewhere around the yard. It's, it's self-evident that his tenure has been amazing. And, you know, as we're asking right before the end of the interview, how long, how much long, long are you going to be around? And as we've surmised, it doesn't look like he's looking for the exit just yet. And that's good for Navy. And so he's going to be a tough act to follow. You know, Jack Langle in some ways was a tough act to follow, but Chet shifted into the next gear. He got the organization into the 21st century. And, uh, you know, he's, it doesn't seem like, seem like there's any quit in him. The other thing that I will say where Chet earned my ultimate respect is at a Navy golf member event when we were renovating the course. Um, and, uh, this was held at the stadium. And as you might imagine, um, middle-aged white guys that are upper middle-class, if not upper-class, well-heeled kind of want to get their way. And when you get 50 to a hundred of them in a room and we're talking about, Hey, we're going to have to shut the golf course down for a year plus. And a lot of these guys are retired and they're thinking, Oh, this means I have to hang out with my wife like every day now, you know? So they were, sort of angered at the idea. So, you know, hands are shooting up in the Q&A and some guys decided that they were going to, you know, bum rush ch Chet and, and, and sort of say, well, we don't want to pay if we're not able to play, right? Like we're not going to pay our dues during the time the course is, is shut down for renovation. And he just looked at him and said, we're all in. And they sat down and didn't say another word. He just, you know, villagers rushing the castle and he just put out their torches and sent them on their way. And so this is how he rolls. He walks the walk. He's not asking anyone to do anything that he wasn't, wouldn't do himself. You know, he's always on the sidelines. Last night at the basketball game, you know, when there's not that many people there, he's always there beginning to end. He cares. He loves his job. And as a function, we've thrived. So, you know, that, that's, that's it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the absolute best. And you mentioned the basketball game last night. Let's uh, quickly, before we go out, uh, kind of summarize what happened there. Um, you know, in short, the Naval Academy came away with a big 83 to 71 victory over BU, uh, who was the prohibitive co-favorite uh, to challenge for the uh, Patriot League title this year. And we did that with a little bit of a um, of a Cal Ripken streak uh, coming to an end. Greg Summers, who had started 60 straight games over the last three seasons, uh, was sidelined with a uh, with a leg injury. From what we understood, um, he had just come off of a big 20 point uh, performance up at Holy Cross, 
and they were without him. And I'll tell you what, from last year, you know, when, and Mike Heary will talk about this next week when he comes on for his basketball review segment from last year to this year, the growth of John Carter Jr. was on display. Um, last night was just a very small representation of that. Uh, he looked like the guy for this team, the unquestioned leader of this team, the guy who's going to drag them through droughts, the guy who's going to keep his calm when they're on a big run and make sure that they keep it going. He was great. Tyler Nelson was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and Austin Inge. Um, I've never seen a guy get such a great plus minus rating at the end of the game, uh, run the offense so efficiently, deal with foul trouble. Um, and as a point guard, having run such a great offense all night, he walked away without a single assist. It's kind of a it's kind of a one-off for me. But Carter with 23 points, Nelson with 20, Deaver was absolutely stud-like with 18. Uh, and like I said, Austin Inge with 12. Uh, Wags Ward, we were all there last night. It was fun to watch. Wags, what were your impressions as we walked out of there? It was a great victory for Navy. I mean, Boston's legit. I mean, they came out, and I think at one point they'd made nine of ten field goals. And you're like, does this team ever miss? I mean, the Navy was playing poorly, but they're, you know, Boston was slowly pulling away just by the fact they didn't miss a shot. They're very talented. Uh, they've got the preseason player of the year in Javante McCoy. Um, they, the big man, he and the big man are both graduate students. I was mentioning during one of our segments you know, that, you know, Navy's going to be dealing with this all year. Guys that are back for extra years. And so they're a veteran squad at Boston University. So that was a huge victory. And to do so without Greg Summers, you know, I, I wasn't sure if they could beat Boston without Greg Summers. And you mentioned it. John Carter is decided that I'm the man. You know, he's doing what Cam Davis had done the previous couple of years. He's, he wants the ball in his hands. He's going to take the big shot. And he was draining threes left and right. He looked great. And uh, playing with a lot of confidence. And you mentioned uh, Deaver. He, he was working hard underneath. Both Ward and I were impressed. And I think Ward may expound a bit. You know, Deaver was just really you know, working hard underneath to do whatever he could to get baskets, you know, tip-ins, et cetera. And uh, Tyler Nelson, I mean, is there a guy with a higher upside in the entire Patriot League? I mean, he's six foot eight with a wingspan that it makes him probably close to 6'10", 6'11". He can shoot it, he, he can drive, and he can get up in the air and dunk. He's as athletic as any player in the entire Patriot League. And uh, that was a career high for him, 20. Inge had a career high, 12. Uh, so that's what you need to make up for a loss of scoring from Greg Summers, guys going for career highs. And something about Inge that you should mention, you know, the plus minus, a big reason for that is he was responsible for covering Javante McCoy. in the post had five steals in doing right. so. He did. And we'll go look at the uh, – Javante McCoy had five turnovers. He was picking his pocket. So um, that was mentioned in the post-game press conference by both John Carter and Ed Duchellis was the defensive efforts of Austin Inge. Uh, he's a really good on-ball defender, uh, very tenacious. Um, so it was just a terrific victory. Um, I, I cannot wait. And Ed Duchellis, he says this almost every post-game press conference, but he did it again last night. He can't wait to see what this team's going to look like when it's full strength. 
They have yet to play a single game this season with everybody available. At the beginning of the year, Engine, Richard, and Joko were down, uh, had a battle back, were battling back from injuries. And then Richard worked his way back, but Inge was still sidelined. You know, and then there's always been someone sidelined. Now Summers is out, but and the guy that hasn't played all year is yet to suit up. And Coach DeCellis gave us good news in the postgame presser. He said he will practice today, Wednesday, Patrick Dorsey, the all-around versatile player. But I, I just – Navy has the ability to be really, really good. Yeah, and and Ward, I'll kick it over to you. But Mike Carey said at the beginning of the year, they don't build Patriot League basketball players like Tyler Nelson. Tyler Nelson to me and Wags, you just wrote an article about Jacob Springer going from the football team and starting for an SEC team in Ole Miss. Tyler Nelson looks to me like a kid who could actually who could totally suit up for Maryland, Villanova, any of the big teams uh, out there in college basketball. He just looks the part. Ward, what were your impressions? So as you guys have said, first half belonged to Carter in terms of uh, shooting percentage and shots on goal, three-pointers. Second half belonged to Nelson in between. Deaver showed up and delivered. You know, he, he's, he's not graceful on the court, but he gets it done. And he really did try his heart out, and it showed. And he actually had this hook shot that I've never seen him use uh, three times last night that he sunk all three, but he just, there was no quit in him. And as we said in the pregame last night, and oh, by the way, follow us on Instagram and Twitter for those kinds of reports before, during, and after the game. But Wags teased out that, okay, no Greg Summers, everybody's going to have to show up. And in fact, they did. And so I roll that up under coach DeCellis. This team is very well coached. Attitudinally, there is no quit in them. And as we said, the game started with sort of BU couldn't miss from outside. Then we had that 19 to nothing run. And then we got a little sloppy towards the end of the first half and they drove it back down to five points. I think at the half we came out and they tied it up nip and tuck. And then we just owned it for the last six minutes or so. And this is all about heart. And as Chet says, expect to win. This team expects to win. And you don't, they don't care who you put on the floor across from them. They, they expect to win. I love seeing that. I love that kind of, let's just call it arrogance in my Navy teams that is backed up by performance. And it's they're just fun to watch. As we said early on in the season, as we were dealing with the malaise of the football team, you're like, okay, now we got Navy basketball to sort of raise our, to buoy our spirits. And they did that last night. It's just fun to watch. Yeah, I'll tell you what, um, please come out and see this team. Um, I know that last night was tough. We're still coming out of this major snowstorm in Annapolis. We've got the Omicron variant um, and, and it was just cold last night and it's in the middle of the week. But on Friday night, we welcome in the Bucknell Bison, 7 p.m. Friday night lights in Annapolis at Alumni Hall. Please come out and support this team as they try to go 3-0 and in the league, stay up there at the very top, and make this a one-horse race. We're out of the gate fast. Let's stay on the pole and, and bring this home and go wire to wire and, and play in March. That's what I think the goal is uh, completely. And, and in doing so, uh, this basketball team can join a, a very long list of success that happened in the fall. And as we go out, let's just quickly review 
how well everything went in the fall. You heard Chet and, and the and the four of us talk about it. Uh, going nine and one in star matches. Um, the best winning percentage ever was in 1997, 1998, when we were 17 and five. Uh, right now we're nine and one, and everything is trending very, very well. And we'll post later on on our Twitter and uh, Instagram all of the star matches that are going to be happening in the spring. Uh, we'll be covering them for you, like Ward said, on our uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, bringing you videos and bringing you coverage. Uh, but we'll also post those dates so that you can come out and support us in doing so. Our overall record against Army uh, was 12-1 and one in the fall. And again, that only loss was from Paco Labrador uh, and, the, and the volleyball team. And they turned around and beat Army twice coming back. Um, we, we mentioned how great uh, it was beating Army. Um, that, that was the 10th most watched uh, tele or, uh, televised football game for college football for the entire year. Uh, so great for us to get that exposure. Guys like Mikey McMorris uh, selected for the Tropical Bowl uh, All-Star Game. Uh, Michael Cooper selected for the NFL Players Association Bowl. Diego Fago going to the East-West Shrine Game. You know, Diego also announcing shortly after Army-Navy. And maybe we'll get into it later on in other pods, how out there Diego was in social media after the Army game. Um, that's a story or a conversation for another day. But he was selected four-team All-American by Phil Steele, um, announces intentions to pursue the NFL. And as we get closer to the draft, I believe in April, I think we're going to see him possibly on day two, definitely on day three in those rounds four through seven. And then it's up to DOD to see if he, if he will play. Um, and then, yeah, we've talked about basketball. Um, they're off to now an, a nine and four start. They haven't had Patrick Dorsey. They haven't had a full team yet. And they're currently number 91 out of 358 teams in the NCAA net rankings. And they have two quad two wins. Um, this puts them above programs like UVA, Miami, my beloved Maryland Terrapins, Cal, St. John's, Blue Blood uh, basketball programs. Our net right now is a lot better. And I guarantee you, if you come out and watch this team in Alumni Hall, you're going to see a team that is trending toward playing in March. Um, that does it. Thank you for being very patient with us in this very long pod as we come out of the break. Uh, we wanted to make sure we gave all the love to the fall sports, looked ahead to the spring sports, and who better to contextualize all that with us than Chuck Gladchuck. Uh, for Chris Cervello, Ward Carroll, and Bill Wagner, I am John Schofield. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our fans. We'll see you next week on Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.